Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, April the 18th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, we're in midweek. They always call that hump day. I call that midweek because I'm happy every single day, so I don't need a hump day. Every day is hump day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to celebrate when halfway through. Day. Every day is a good day, really. Yeah, that's what it amounts to. Uh, and today's no exception. Today's been just a really good day so far. Lots of good stuff happening. I love the fact, Wendy, that I I am now in a place where I'm getting better and better at... I, I don't even have to do so much of the segment intending anymore, although I'm still doing that. It's just I'm flowing from segment to, to segment and not taking a whole lot of effort to get myself into the good feeling place. I love that. And how is that different than before? It's Before it's marginally different. I mean, it, it's it, it's not like there's a big dramatic change that's gone on. What's happened over time is that I have gotten progressively better at focusing on what I want and keeping my mind, more importantly, off what I don't want. And over time, through a lot of modalities, you know, through the mirror work, through doing the podcast, through doing affirmations, through doing you know the three good things with my wife, all all the different things that I do over time. I am reprogramming myself in a sense. I'm, I'm, I'm really taking control of my mind and my focus. And I'm doing it better and better and better. And the better that I get at it, the better my day goes. So where did it all transition? I can't point to it. It's been a gradual thing. That little incremental baby step thing that most people don't want to hear about, and yet it's what absolutely works every time. <laughs> it does. It works every time. And it's annoying at first. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. It's annoying at first to have to wait for it, right? But it works. <laughs> it just plain works. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so. And you know what's fascinating? As soon as you get your energy on board with something, results are instantaneous. It's going through the process so you can shift your energy so that you can get to the point of it being almost spontaneous. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? I mean, today I, I got my walk in before the show and uh, it's like a four mile walk and I was like three quarters of the way through and I hadn't really done anything with it. I was just enjoying it, which was good. You know, that's really the best thing anyway. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling good. I want to, I want to try to apply this. So I decided I was going to work on, my version of Project X, so to speak, getting myself into that positive frame of mind of you know, what, what Cindy likes to quote uh, Neville Goddard is saying, uh, the, the, the feeling of the wish fulfilled. So trying to get myself into that place of this is how I feel when I have $10 million in the bank and I'm just going to stay there. And I decided from, for like the last quarter of the walk, I was going to do everything I could to get into that feeling place and just you know, explore it every single way I, I could. And much to my delight, I was able to do that for a good portion of it. I couldn't always keep my mind there. Sometimes I would get distracted, but I was able to bring it back and just keep getting into that feeling place. And it, actually, you know what? One of the things I realized that there's not a whole lot of difference between that feeling place and the one I'm in right now. There really isn't a whole lot of difference. It's just how I decided to look at it. And so I just started looking at it. Well, okay, I imagine I've got that 10 million in the buck, in the bank rather. So what am I doing with it? And then I started playing out the games. Oh, you know, we're going to go travel. We're going to do this. We're going to do all that. And then have fun with each one of those things as I was going through it in my mind. It was good. It was a nice exercise. And unlike in the past, it was easier. Mm. Like you had asked me a while back what something felt like to me. Mm. I, I had hit a certain milestone. I can't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. And I just said, 
it felt normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, I know when I'd reached my big financial goal for which I've had for like uh, 12 years. And you said, so how does it feel now that you've attained that goal? And I mm. think it's normal. Normal, like right. It, it, it was so almost the same as how it felt the day before because I had been making small imperceptible changes mm -hmm. over a long period of time so that it all felt normal. And doesn't it I mean, feel when like I was, too? Oh, when sorry. I was really, really poor mm -hmm. and, you know, was barely making any money, that felt normal to me. That was my normal. Mm hmm and then as I started to shift up my income, each stage felt like my new normal. Mm -hmm. You know, so it doesn't surprise me that whether you have $10 million in the bank or whether you're sitting behind your desk and talking to me for this show, it all feels normal. It does, yeah. And, and the, the other thing about this normal is when in terms of the getting to it, we talk about it as being a little incremental change thing, and it certainly is incremental changes but it's mm -hmm. not a smooth set of changes there's steps forward and step backward there, there's like you know improvements and backslides and big improvements and small improvements and backslides and big backslides and a step forward and it, it's all over the place but the overall trend is toward where i want to be and that's the part that makes it incremental it's, calling it incremental is almost doing it an injustice because it, does, it never seems like incremental. It's not, it feels more like the roller coaster. But in reality, when I look back at it over the, you know, the period of time, yeah, it was incremental. Well, I guess the way I look at it is when you're doing what you're calling taking a step backwards, mm -hmm. I'm looking at that in terms of, and you were, without knowing it, guided into some turmoil or contrast or something unpleasant in order to create greater, greater clarity for you to move forward again. And I believe that the going backwards is actually part of moving forward. It's a necessary um, hmm. part of it. That's an interesting view. That, that's quite possible. Sure. Yeah. Because I was listening to Abraham the other day, and they were saying that all contrast equals a point of clarity. Every time we experience contrast, it's to help bring us clarity because we're sifting and sorting and deciding what we really do want mm -hmm. because we go, yep, I really don't want this. So <laughs> yeah. they say in the moment, you know, what you don't want is the moment you most know what you do want. I was imagining what I would say if I was interviewed by somebody about, you know, how much of a master of law of attraction have I become? And I'm kind of reluctant to give myself that title, but there's one thing I have mastered and that is deciding what it is. I don't want. I'm really, really good at that. <laughs> I could do that well, at a drop of a hat. one step in the process. <laughs> there we go, yeah. <laughs> so I've mastered that part for sure. <laughs> so then maybe the next next piece could be, you know, only if you want to play with it this way, is how to identify what you preferred based on knowing what you don't want. What's your new preference? Maybe learning how to identify the new preference um, very close after you've had the experience of what you don't want. Well, yeah, that'd be a cool thing. Well, I think that's what I ultimately what did. I think that's what I ultimately did. I think that's what I did every step of the way. I mean, if you're going to ask me to take inventory and tell you what they are, I'm not sure I could do that. <laughs> I'm not sure my memory is that good. But nevertheless, each step of the way where I got to a point where um, I was experiencing contrast and saying, no, I don't like that. No, I really don't like that. It may have taken a while. 
I may have had to stumble around a little bit, but I always found a way out. And the way out involves some form of identifying what I wanted instead. Because I do know whenever I don't identify what I want instead, I just stay stuck there. Got it. Yeah. So, as you say, it's always good, right? Mm-hmm. It's all good all the time. Yep. <laughs> so what's good with you right now? What's good in your life? Well, yesterday I had a really fun experience. Um, you know, I often talk about how I have TV on in the background while mm-hmm. I'm doing my day job at my right. computer. Yep. And... Um, a movie that I decided to record quite a while ago, I decided to start watching, which is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Aw, that's a cute one. <laughs> for anyone who's who's really young or a millennial, you may not know what that is, but for those of us who have been around a while, um, it was a wonderful child movie with Dick Van Dyke, and it was pretty much set in a similar kind of uh, uh, venue as like Mary Poppins. Yeah, very it's similar. That kind of mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. And uh, so I honestly, when the movie started, I went, oh, my God, I barely remember this because it obviously <laughs> has been so long. Since yeah, I've it's a long it. time ago. So it's on in the background and I'm kind of paying attention to the storyline. And all of a sudden they get to the part where Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is this vehicle that they raise. It's a car. It's an old antique car. Yeah. It's an old car and it was about to be junked off and they were going to squish it. But these little kids, they so wanted this car and their father, Dick Van Dyke found a way to get this car for them. And then he like did some mechanical work and he got it up and running. And so they're taking their maiden voyage in, in this car. And it's set somewhere, I think in the UK on this beautiful winding road. And they started talking about the sounds that the engine was making. Mm-hmm. And that's when they break into this song because the sounds were, he says, Oh, it's like chitty, 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 chitty. And then all of a sudden you hear this backfire go twice. And so then the kids went bang, bang, because mm-hmm. that's what the backfiring did. Right. And so they put it together, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. And of course, only like in musicals, they all have this wonderful song and they all know the lyrics. <laughs> of course. <laughs> they they're frolicking around on this beautiful country road. Well, here's what happened for me, which really was out of the blue and totally unexpected. The moment they started saying the words chitty, chitty, bang, bang, and they started singing the song, I burst into tears. Really? Yes. And I mean, my whole body was filled with goosebumps. Wow. And I was like wanting to say, okay, hello, being, infinite being, what's going on? I mean, it felt good, (laughs) but it's like, what's going on with this? Because I'm having such a huge emotional response. Yeah. And it took me back. And the whole time I was, and I haven't finished watching it. I only got to the scene I'm telling you about where they sing the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang song. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole time I was watching it, I was having really good feelings, feelings of love and feelings of rapport and relationship. And I didn't really know what all that meant. But at the point that I burst into tears and I'm asking, what's this about? I went, I had the memory that the first time I saw this movie, my great aunt took us. I remember her saying, do you want to go to the movies? Which I don't think she had ever taken us to the movies before. Hmm. And I'm assuming it was me and my brother and I, don't know if there was some, I don't know if my cousins came or whatever, but I remember it was more than me and her. So there had to be at least two or three other kids. Mm -hmm. But it took me back to sitting in this movie theater seat and just feeling this immense love that my aunt took us Mm. and that she took us out on this beautiful outing 
And it was kind of like the ultimate Christmas feeling of family togetherness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we had popcorn or candy or whatever, but it's like, I know food was involved and the movie was involved and we were laughing and, you know, like certain things would happen in the movie and she would lean over to look at us kids and how we were responding. And we were just having such a wonderful time. And so when I turned the TV off and I was thinking about how I was transported back to that time period, I'm guessing I might have been eight or nine, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But how interesting it was that I was transported back to a time I haven't thought about in years, decades even. Yeah. But yet the emotional intensity of what I experienced when I was a child was so powerful that all I had to do was have this song go off and boom, I was transported back to that really magical, momentous, beautiful time where I felt so loved and I was having so much fun. It was a very special thing. And so as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, often we're transported back to negative experiences in our life. You know, I think that's something most of us can can relate to. We hear a song and, you know, it takes us back to a sad time or, you know, uh, whatever. But it's right. like oftentimes there are triggers that take us back to negative times. But I have to say that this was one of the most pleasant triggers that took me to a positive yeah. experience. Oh, yeah. And wow. I, it was just really fun. And that's all I really wanted to say about it is that it was really fun. Um, and the fact that I had full body goosebumps was a unique experience for something like that. And I would, that's when I just kind of checked in. I said, what's all that about? And I had such a knowing that the feelings I was experiencing were so aligned to how my inner being thinks about me all the time. Hmm. And it was kind of like that song just kind of helped connect me to what my inner being is like. Yeah. You're loved like that all the time. And that just took, that was a wonderful triggered response to allow me to feel that. I love the parallel too between your trip to the movies and what was going on in the movie. Because in the movie, they're out on an outing and you are out on an outing. You both were out oh, on an outing. True. Good I mean, point. Yeah. Which probably. <laughs> I love, I love the, the things that you see <laughs> that I don't when I'm t- telling my story. I love that. <laughs> but yeah, we were out on an outing. Yeah, which probably reinforced that memory. That's probably one of the reasons why you had such a powerful reaction. It was like a, a double reminder, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very cool. Very, very cool. It's funny you um, mentioned that movie, too, because I actually saw that one within the last year or two. It was on cable, and I surprised my wife by watching it through all the way. <laughs> and it's such a light movie. I mean, you know, as an adult, it's not a movie that you, you look at because you want to see a good drama or anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's very, very light. But it's it's sweet. It's got some nice sweet stuff in it. And it's just well, kind I of mean, lighthearted. It, it was intended as a children's movie. It is, yeah. You know. It's a so Disney it's definitely for not sake. It's not something that adults would go out to see probably today, right? But it's definitely a great piece of memorabilia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one. Of, it's. it's I, I don't really want to see it again for the next you know thirty years, but you know, it was nice <laughs> to see it once. It was good. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I also wanted to share um, yesterday when we were talking, and I was talking about how I had received 
the new belief, the new empowering belief that allows me now to feel really solid in my knowing that my Project X, which I've now revealed as my new income streams, is absolutely alive within me. Mm. Uh, it feels so good to have this stability in where I am vibrationally on that subject. Yeah. Because it's not playing the roller coaster game anymore. I'm not having to assert energy to hold on to that vibration. It's like, oh no, it just permeates who I am at this point. And I started thinking about all sorts of different things that could happen. People could call me, they could send me emails, something could come by mail, you know, some th there could be all sorts of ways that I could be communicated with for new financial stream opportunities to show up. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday, um, as I was thinking about it, I was kind of getting this sense of, I almost said it on the show yesterday, and yet I didn't, but there's this word intensive that has a lot of meaning for me. Because at one point, I had a, um, uh, a young gal who's kind of like part of my extended family, or I call family of choice. Um, came to stay with me because she was in in a place emotionally that she just really needed some good old-fashioned TLC and support. And she said, Wendy, I don't know anybody else who can do this but you. And so we were going to start doing some session work together, but over a couple of weeks it turned into something where she needed a whole lot more than just a little bit here and a little bit there. Mm. And I just said, pack your bags, come and stay with me. Oh, wow. And I had already given her my house key and I was going to be out the night she was going to be able to come and start staying here. And so I put a sign on this picture that was like across from the bed and it said the intensive <laughs> and that those words came to me that day. And what it meant to me was we're not just going to do a little session work here and there. We're going to do intensive work, mm. kind of like we're going to revamp a whole bunch of ways that you used to think in order to set you up for real success in life. And so she loved it. I loved it. And ever since then, I've just had this notion of that's what I want to do more of. I want to do intensive. Huh. Yes, I'm a life coach. And yes, I love to do coaching. But I want to do something that's more intense. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I want to do intensive. <laughs> I think there's a lot of you know, value in that. I mean, the, the idea of doing an intensive, as you call it, I, I've had... Uh, similar thoughts about wouldn't it be great to ha to be able to have those kinds of things available and, and to expose more people to them and so forth because I, I'm not sure exactly what it means to you. I can tell you what it means to me. To me, it's where literally as you go through your day, you're working on every aspect of what it is you want to work on during your day. You're, you're just focusing on every every spare moment that you have. That's what the, an intensive means to me. I don't know what it means to you, but that's what it means to me. Well, and remember I said a number of shows ago that I would be totally open to doing a reality show oh, where yeah. put a mic pack on me and and like have, let's say there's a family that says, come and help us. Mm -hmm. Sure. And like, do you remember the show? Um, um, the babysitter thing. I want to say it's The Nanny. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Not the one with Fran Dressler. No, 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 no. But the, the one where Super Nanny. Super That's Nanny. What it was yeah, called. you're Super right. Nanny. Yes. And she would come into somebody's home for maybe a week or two and kind of help the whole family relearn how to handle their relationships with each other and with their children so that they could like work together as a team instead of being at odds or having one child run the family and whatever. 
to me, that's an intensive where it's like an intense period of a short period of time, but it's 24-7. And all the different emotions that the parents go through and the kids go through throughout that two weeks, it kind of all shows up. So it gave um, Joe, I think was the, the super nanny's like, name, um, it would give her an opportunity to observe the family and then also to coach them with some new skills. Right. And that to me is an intensive and actually, I've never put it in such clear, concise words. I've never thought about it in terms of a super <laughs> nanny. But that's exactly the kind of thing I love to do. So anyway, I was thinking um, in terms of my website. And I thought, well, I wonder if I should put something on there about how I'd be open for intensives. And I thought, well, but how would I market it? And how would I set the verbiage so people understand it? And then I kind of went, well, or maybe I just say, you know, I have programs that are customizable. And bottom line, I kind of was not getting I needed to physically do this to put something on my website, but that these ideas were flowing to kind of give me a flexibility, if you will, um, for different things I can do. Because I'm a coach, but I know that I want to do something beyond the typical coaching model, mm -hmm. you know, where you do a client for an hour, which I'm more than happy to do, but I also want to do something more. Um, because I, I like to get into the nitty gritty. I like to observe people in their their natural habitat, yes. you know, in their relationships and how they think so that I could help observe and then coach to make the changes. Because when you make changes, positive changes, while you're in the middle of the negative changes, that's actually when the changes stick better than if you just talk about them in an office with somebody. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. Like, I had this problem on Wednesday and here it is Friday, you know, and so I'm telling you about it. It's a, it's more difficult to actually make a shift a couple of days later because you're not in the emotional experience of it anymore. Yeah. You're not in the context. This context is everything. Exactly. And that's very true. Context is everything. And so anyway, as I was kind of playing with these ideas last night, I was just getting this sense of be flexible. Now the words, be flexible weren't there for me at that time, but that was the feeling I got. Be open to customizing, be open to new things, be open to things that you've never considered acceptable before. Because um, I think I had a very finite um, format for what I thought I ought to be doing. And the very words ought to be doing should be my own clue that that's not what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yes. I never want to do what everybody else is already doing. I want to do something different. And so anyway, remember I told you yesterday that I had gotten an email and I knew right after my new belief system was set in place um, that I could choose whatever I wanted and I could have it because it's as easy for the law of attraction to deliver a button as it is a castle. Mm -hmm. It's not any extra work for law of attraction. So really you choose, well, do you want a button or do you want a castle? I'll take the $10 million, please. Thank you. There you go. Or you can have that, too. I was going to say, if you don't have a place to put a castle, they may not be of any value to you. Actually, I really don't want to live in a castle at all. I mean, drafty and all that. No, thanks. Let somebody else deal with the repairs and so forth. I, you know, just a little bungalow is all I need. That's fine. So knowing that I now knew that I could have anything I wanted and I no longer had limiting beliefs that were keeping me from just fully coming into accepting and believing um, the possibility of anything I want, 
um, I was just I was just in a whole new energetic space, put it that way. And I knew that I was now expecting things to start happening. I expected stuff immediately because I knew my energy had shifted so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so it did not surprise me. And I was fully delighted when I received an email yesterday from somebody asking uh, for my services. Right. So it was done by email. And the person made it clear through their story why they were doing it via email versus calling me on the phone. And so we kind of went back and forth, I think now four times. And it's interesting because it, without going into the details, um, what this person was asking for is something I've never done before. Oh. I mean, it's within my skill set, but the format is completely different than what I've done before. And, and yet, in between, as we go back and forth, I'd say, well, before I can answer this, because he wanted to he wanted to know what I would charge for this, mm-hmm. which was a unique situation. So I needed to kind of uh, get some more criteria so I could give an appropriate cost. Right. And what was interesting is we went back and forth. Rarely did he ever answer all my questions. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and I don't get to talk to him on the phone before I give him a price. But I wasn't freaking out. I'm not attached to whether it happens or not. And what I was sensing, and his last email, and I responded to it, was a little bit before the show today. And I feel kind of excited. Well, not kind of. I do feel excited because my thought process as I was responding was coming from a very different perspective. How so? It, was, it wasn't coming from the rules of this is the way I do it and I have to know these things. Like one of the questions, he, he was actually, he's actually looking for these uh, sessions for family members, not for himself. Mm -hmm. So I asked, are your family members agreeable to this? Yeah. I told him I do law of attraction coaching. Do do they know of law of attraction? Have they ever heard of it? Right. He didn't answer either one of those Uh because normally I'm not, not that I'm rigid, but I feel it's really important to know if somebody who I'm going to coach is agreeable to the coaching. I agree. You know, um, and if it if they know nothing about law of attraction, that's a very different kind of much more intense kind of coaching process. Mm-hmm. Not that I can't do it; that's what I used to do. But I like law of coaching traction, uh, law of attraction coaching better these days. Mm-hmm. But it's like he never answered those questions. Wow! And so, like I think I asked him six questions, and he answered three of them. Hmm. And in the past, I'd be frustrated, like I cannot move forward unless I know all this stuff. Yeah. And instead, I just have such a trust in my own resonance. Like, it felt good to me. Like, just keep moving forward. Don't worry about the questions. Don't worry about getting – it'll all work itself out. So you were actually getting but, answers like that from, from your infinite being. Absolutely. And it was like, well, this is kind of cool. This is a new way of doing business. I've kind of thrown out the structure because what he's asking for is very different anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, why the heck not? So and now here's the next thing. I told him what I charge and he wants X number of sessions over a certain course of time for so many different people. So I told him what the total cost was and the number felt really big to me and I felt the need to discount it. And I sat there and I went, why, why do I feel the need to discount it? Mm. And the answer is because I'm used to working with poor people. There you go. 
I'm used to working with people who can barely afford me. Mm-hmm. And even at my lowest prices, it was still a stretch for them. And I thought to myself, no, you know what? Either he can accept my, my rate or he can't. That's right. But I, what I realized, and I, actually I'd say I'm realizing this in this moment as I'm saying it. I didn't realize how much I kept discounting me. Yeah, of course. Every time I gave somebody a discounted price or felt like I needed to because otherwise they couldn't afford me, I was discounting me both to me and in their eyes. And I totally sympathetic because I did that for years. I know exactly what that's like. And I know I'm personally very familiar with the emotional sensation associated with it. Because you're right. It is. You're basically discounting yourself. And I thought, you know what? I'm in a totally different place. Project X for me is about asking for and expecting $30,000 plus per month right. of income. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll have, I'd have to work about 900 hours a day, <laughs> which is impossible, if I keep doing it at a discounted rate. Absolutely. <laughs> and a big portion of doing my Project X is that I'm accelerating what I, I want to be paid for my services. And, you know, I was just playing the, the I was doing a role play with Keisha right before the show because I, I, I said, well, you know, if I told this person I would give them a discount or if, or no, let me say it this way. If, if we were, to, if we were able to have the conversation, which right now I can't with this person. Um, and he said, whoa, that's a lot. I would say, well, you know the old saying, you get what you pay for? Mm, yes, very good. Which, of course, you know where we're going with that. Oh, I'd yes. say, well, you know what? Actually, you're not getting what you're paying, paid for, paying for. I'm worth about 10 times more than what I'm even Very paying. nice. Oh, yes. And I got to tell you, that came with such a sense of, oh, I can say that. I know the value that I provide. I'm not in the midst of the low end. I'm, I'm not a Walmart version of life coaching <laughs> that's a good analogy that's good yeah i'm not and you know robert kiyosaki who's the author of rich dad poor dad he said in one of his books i think it was his second book um cash flow quadrant he said there are three different places in the market you can be when you price things you can be a discounter with walmart but you got to do a lot of business you know high high volume low prices right or you can be in the middle of the road, which is where most people are, right? and that's where there's the highest level of competition. You've got to really work hard to differentiate yourself, and most of the time you can't because you, you are like everybody else. Very true. Or Very you true. go to the high end of the spectrum where you attract people who like exclusivity, who feel as though if they pay more, they have a perception that they're going to receive more. Right. And I remember years ago, ago thinking, well, why wouldn't everybody choose the high end? <laughs> well, I know the answer to that because very few people have a belief system to support it. Exactly. And it's what I have been wanting to do for 20 years. I knew the service that I provided was exemplary, but my belief system did not support it. And I hung around with a lot of poor people. No disrespect intended for any of my dear friends and loved ones and family members who are who I put in the poor category. Mm -hmm. But that's where I was raised. Sure. I was raised a working class middle 
middle America kind of place. I was not raised, you know, with money that could buy anything. Um, everything was a sacrifice in my family when you wanted something special. Um, but I want to work with those that are affluent. Mm-hmm. Those I want to work with leaders and influencers because that's where I, can, I feel like I can provide the biggest value where it will be exponentially multiplied. Yeah. And I want to work with people who have plenty of money and they don't think twice about spending money on my services. And so one of the things that's really interesting in the email back and forth, um, specifically, he said that he wanted his family members to um, have sessions with me in person. And one of my questions (laughs) was, are you aware I live in the Dallas, Texas area? To which he still never replied. But I know he found me on wendydillard.com because he sent the email to wendy at wendydillard.com. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, all right, he knows more than he's confirming to me he knows. And he said, I will have my driver bring them to you. Oh, there's a very good sign. Yeah. And I went, he has a driver. Mm-hmm. And here I am mentally playing with, should I discount my rates? Because we haven't talked. I don't know what he can afford. And I'm like, you know what? He can either afford me or he can't. Well, he can. These are my rates. Clearly he can. Sure. I mean, if he's got a driver, we're not talking about a driver in a three-wood. We're talking about a, a car driver. <laughs> I don't think he was talking about an Uber. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. I think he was talking about something a little bit more upscale than that. <laughs> but it just was like, wow. So the email from him came literally the morning after I had had this new belief epiphany yeah. and shifted my energy entirely. And then today, you know, like he and I have gone back and forth, like I said, a number of times. Um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I expect more of this. This is not like a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. I totally have an expect an expectation that this is one of many types of communications that I'll receive. And for me, I was prepared. My infinite being prepared me by showing me about the intensive, reminding me of how I like to do things very customizable based on what people are looking for, and be open. Be open to doing something different. Because my email exchanges with this in, this man have not been customary in any way, shape, or form. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'll go there. I mean, normally, I want to know, um, do his family... I mean, he even said he wanted to surprise them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap, that could be really bad. And now, right now, I'm thinking to myself, or oh, that could be really awesome. Could be. Why, why would I make the assumption it could be really bad because they're not prepared? Huh. This could be really awesome and really fun. It could and be. And he wants it for a, a finite amount of time, like for a month. Mm-hmm. And and what if when that month is over, his family members say, hey, we like that. Can we do some more? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I'm just looking at, I'm not trying to make this one thing everything, because whether it happens or not, I don't know. But I sent him my link to PayPal to make make the payment, mm-hmm. should he want to. Yep. You know, and in the past, I've always, like, wanted to hide the fact that I put my payment link in an email, especially if it was a, a large dollar, if they bought a big package, because it seemed a little bit scary to me, mm-hmm. because my belief system didn't support that. Right. 
But now that I think about what I told him I charge, I'm like, oh, that's 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 minimal. That's yeah, small. It is. I'm like, wow, that's such that's throwaway cash for him. You, you know what? There are two that's things I love about the story you're telling this afternoon, and and I may surprise you about them. The first thing that I love is when you said I'm worth ten times that amount. I love that. What a great thing to say. You, I, I hope you say that to yourself every day because you are worth 10 <laughs> times that amount. Thank you. And I'm not kidding. You really are worth 10 times that amount. And, and I, I, one of my greatest hopes is that not only will you believe that, I think you do believe that to some level, but it will become so ingrained in you that, ingrained in you that you'll reach a point where you won't settle for less than that. Hmm. And that's going to be really cool. The second thing I that I love. Say, I oh, would say I believe it. But it's not ingrained. I not liked yet. your word. It's, it's not a conditioned thing like, duh, of course I'm worth 10 times this. But it's not going to be long before it will be. I'll bet you anything that. I think that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> and the second thing that I love, I don't know if you remember, but you once described this situation to me. Back in January or February when you were sharing to me you know, the dreams that you talked about on, I think it was Friday's show. Where, where you, you you had these these amazing waking dreams and these these mm, imaginary mm. clients were you know basically saying yes to everything and so forth. One of the scenarios you described to me back then was about how you would get somebody who would ask you to come and be in their place for like a month or more, and you'd get large amounts of money for doing that. You just described mm -hmm. that to me just now. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. It is cool. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to pick up on that you said yesterday, mm. after I had shared, like, hey, here's my new belief, you said you had a perception change. Yeah. And at the time, I went, yeah, I did. But I could not stop thinking about that. Like, when we got off the show, I've not been able to stop thinking about a perception change. Mm. And I thought, what does that mean to me? Because that feels very, very profound. Mm -hmm. And I realized that when I said my new belief was that I could choose, in and of itself, knowing that we as human beings have choice, that seems so trivial. That doesn't seem like a big aha. But what's the difference between saying something that's trivial and saying the exact same words and having it be an aha is that internalizing a new perception of those words. It's like those words come alive and they mean something more in a more three-dimensional fashion than they did when they were just words. Because I've known that I'm a person of choice for a long time. I, I talk about choice. My friends and I talk about choice. But all of a sudden, when I was asking, okay, what's this new belief? What's this thing that my inner being knows that I don't? And when I know it, it'll change everything. And I heard, you you choose. Just choose. And I went, really? It could be that easy? Just choose? Because, like, I choose all the time. I know. <laughs> but the difference was, when I cho chose this time, it's like I did so armed with this undergirding understanding of how just the choice itself shifts everything. When you make a decision and you line up with it, it's a done deal. 
And what I hadn't realized before is I'd made the decision. I had done the choosing, but I didn't line up with it because I had all this extraneous stuff that was contrary. But really, it just is, it's a matter of choosing. And I'll tell you, that, that was such a huge perception shift for me that what I realized was that choosing in this one area of my life has now had the ripple effect of making a choice in so many other areas of my life, no longer with the resistant baggage that all these choices have carried with them. Boy, if that's true, that is a gigantic breakthrough. I mean, it yeah, it is so globally big that like my other projects, you know, project relationship, Oh, yeah. If there's any resistance left on that trail, I think I'm going to blow it off with a feather and require <laughs> nothing to move. Relation, you know, project body, anything that may be on that trail, I'll just flick it with my finger. Because the idea that when I, when I choose, it is complete. It is done. I require nothing more than just choosing and lining up with it. And I'm pretty darn good at that. I didn't realize how much this extraneous baggage thing was just really weighing me down. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was there. And yet, because I wasn't getting the desired outcome, it had to be there. I just didn't have that level of awareness yet. I knew it, but I didn't know it. And so that's the difference of a perception, perception change. You know something, and then you know something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a huge difference. Oh, it's gigantic difference, and and I continue to be amazed. I, I suspect I will never stop being amazed at just how hard it is, or to say another way, how easy it is, how hard it is to see a resistance, and how easy it is to overlook it, and to write it off as something else, and to blame it on something else or someone else or whatever. It's so easy to do that. I love the fact that first of all, you've gotten a whole lot better than you were at one time at identifying, oh, that's resistance. And I'm telling you, when you tell that kind of a story and when you're including that kind of, of uh, piece of, of information in your story, I'm taking note of it on all levels because that's a skill I want to have too. I want to always notice what my resistance is and try to flick it out of the way as soon as possible. <laughs> I don't know another way to say that. <laughs> I mean, just don't you don't you love the energy behind just I'm gonna flick it flick out of the it, way. Yeah, flick has a nice easy like energy to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm so powerful that I have I'm the one who has the flicker, and the thing that I'm flicking is so subordinate to me that I have the level of power I can flick it and it is gone. Actually, when when you said flick it, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of a Harry Potter wand. Just, there you go. You know, Same kind of thing. Swish and flick and boom, it's gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I think on my LinkedIn profile, I have some little story in there where I talk about how um, I, I uh, wave my magic pixie dust on situations. And that's how I help people shift, <laughs> shift their life. Because <laughs> that's how I think of it. It's like, it's that simple. Just, you know, drop my little pixie dust and poof, these things go away. That's fun because I know I can help. I know I can help people do that. Mm -hmm. I know I can do it for myself. Yeah, apparently. But, but this whole shift that I just had in the last forty-eight hours 
is a global shift. And what I mean by that is it's not just shifting this one area of my life. It's something so much bigger. It's actually shifting multiple areas, if not all areas of my life. Which is what a breakthrough should be. Breakthroughs should be that large. It isn't. It's it, it, if it's not that large. I guess it's kind of a breakthrough. It's more like a break in. But <laughs> it, when, <laughs> when it's this, well, I mean, when it's a breakthrough, it's got to be something that just knocks down a whole bunch of barriers at once. Because it, that's yeah. what breakthroughs do. Breakthroughs just like break through everything. Well, you know, the way I learned about transformation years ago was I love the metaphor of a tree. And if you think of a mighty I love my maple tree out front, so I'll use the maple. You know, my maple tree has a very thick trunk. It is solidly rooted in the ground. When we have tornado-type winds, that trunk does not move. It has really big, thick branches, which move out to thinner branches, which move out to twigs. And then there are leaves on top of that. Mm-hmm. And when I'm doing transformational work with somebody, depending on what, what, depending on the level of resistance a person comes to me with, determines whether a session allows us to lob off a leaf, a branch, a twig, a branch, or uproot the entire tree. Mm -hmm. And I love it. When we can go for the big trunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, like for me, in the beginning of working on Project X, I couldn't get to the root. I couldn't get to the roots in the trunk of the tree because there was so much resistance. I literally had to lob off branches, smaller branches and then bigger branches. And I believe in the last 48 hours, I got down to the trunk of all the resistance and now it got uprooted, and it's kind of like there's a giant hole. Or actually, when I got rid of the negative beliefs, there was now a giant hole. I put the new belief in the hole, and now I will have a new tree grow that will be stronger than ever that could not be uprooted. Because now my belief is so powerful. It is so powerful to know that my choosing something and lining up with that choice is so powerful, it moves all of the components in this world, in this universe, to operate on my behalf. I mean, that's how big this is. So yes, it's shifting things for me from a business perspective, a monetary perspective, a income perspective. But you know what? This belief that I now have that just my choosing and lining up with it can cause whatever I want to occur, mm -hmm. well, that belief can be used in any area of my life. It's not contextual to just my finances. Exactly. And that's why, you know, when I work with clients and they say, well, they want to improve their life, I'll say, okay, well, let's just pick a subject. Let's pick one part of your life. And they go, well, it all sucks. And I said, well, here's <laughs> the good news. Just pick one of them. Let's work on it. It'll fix all the rest of them. Like, me, really? It, it reminds like, me of. I know it sounds, that unbel me. it sounds unbelievable, but just trust me. Mm -hmm. And so, let's say we work on the relationship with their father. Mm -hmm. Well, so we do some sessions with that, and before you know it, they say, "You know what? Everything at work is now going smoother." Yes. And I'm like, "Oh, you mean it's changed all your relationships? It has, but all we worked on was my father. 
It, it globalizes. It does. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, while you were telling that, uh, actually, while you were talking about, like, for the last five minutes or so there, I had this image that came to me, uh, a metaphorical type image. And the basis for the metaphor came from when Louise and I lived in Virginia. The house that we lived in in Virginia was on a one-acre plot, and there was a particular kind of weed that was very common in that area. We, Louise called it an iron grass. I don't really know what its, its proper name was. But it was a grass-like weed that sprouted up and created a root system that was that basically ran along the ground and maybe just slightly under the soil. And it was one of those things where you, you, you could start to pull it up, and it was very, very strong, like, you know, rope or something. So you start pulling it up, and you could see, you know, strands of root going off in all directions, like a web sort of thing, you know, just coming up. And so in the context of what you were talking about, I imagined finding one of these ironweed things, and you start pulling it, and you keep pulling and pulling, and more and more stuff comes <laughs> up. And then all of a sudden, the scrub brushes over there. They start disappearing under the ground, and they come up. And then the the the, uh, the, the, the weedy grass over there, that comes through, that comes up. And then that tree over there that you meant to take down, that starts. I mean, I'm just imagining all this stuff coming up just because you're pulling that one weed. That's kind of what you're describing. You, you find the right one leverage point, and everything else falls with it. Exactly. Yeah. And I also learned um, through, the, through the techniques that I've learned, but also through life experience, it's very difficult to just lob off the tree trunk and pull up the root. Yeah. That's not where you start. No, not really. Because most of us are filled with so much resistance, it's like we can't even get to the root system. Well, even look because at, look at somebody who does tree removal. A tree removal company, they all start at the trunk. That's the last place they go to. <laughs> That's the very last thing like they I remove. Was, well, and you know, last, last oh gosh, whatever season it was, last year, I was on a ladder with my, not a chainsaw, but I have this electric uh, blade mm -hmm. that cuts through branches. Yeah. And um, that may not be the right tool, but it's what I use. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Hey, if it works. Well, and I can only go as high as I can be on my six-foot ladder, right. you know, and as far as I can reach. And anything above that, I have to get someone professional to, like, take down my branches. Yep. But, like, I looked at this one branch, and I went, that is one very heavy branch. And if I tried getting it right at the place where it connects to, like, the main tree trunk, that'll be too heavy, and it'll just break, and it'll probably tear as it's coming apart. Sure. And I won't have the ability to hold it because I'm balancing myself on a ladder yeah. and I'm holding this saw with my other hand. So I looked at it and went, how am I going to tackle this? And I went, okay, let's just start. Let's go to the outermost edges and lob off the small branches. Yep. And once I had all the small branches taken down, now when I got to like the big branch I wanted to do, it didn't weigh that much. I'd cut off most of everything that was attached to it and it made it easy. And in essence, that's a metaphor for what I've been working on with Project X. Mm -hmm. And so if you if we go back to like when I first said I wanted Project X and I was focusing on it, um, let's just say for the sake of, you know, a metaphor, you know, like at one end of my house is my starting line and at the other end of my house is the finish line. Well, 
you know, we've talked about this before, that wherever there are places that there are resistance along your trail, you've got to move the resistance out before you can keep moving forward. So if I've got a lot of shrubbery and weeds and all sorts of stuff and I need a clear path to get to the other side, you know, I may need a, a lawnmower. I may need a, a chainsaw. I'm, I may need a jackhammer if there's cement in the way. Um, but every time I keep going forward, I find the tools necessary to take care of whatever res resistance is there. And then when that's cleared, I move forward until I hit the next piece of resistance. Then I go, okay, what tools do I need for this to get rid of this? And I really feel like I've now made it to the other side. And it feels really cool. Mm, oh and yeah. I feel like, you know, from all the different metaphors, it's like I've gotten to the roots. Um, I don't feel like there's anything left. And if it is, it feels like I can flick it away mm. because I've got such a powerful belief that all I need to do is choose. I have such an awareness of how I am supported in my, all my choices. One of the things that along the way I have talked about is how I've desired to have a closer, more intimate relationship with my inner being where I could feel my inner being where it's not just an it. And, you know, along the path, I've had several big discoveries. The one I had a couple weeks ago was how I got this image of my inner being being like a dot or a golf ball size entity, like inside my chest. I couldn't even see it, but it was really small. And then remember I said I expanded that golf ball to where it was kind of translucent. And now it's kind of like, well, it encapsules the whole, my whole body mm -hmm. and permeates out of me, like even further than my hand, my arm wingspan. Yep. And now I can see my infinite being everywhere I go. Wow. So that in itself, that perception shift has been a part of this. Mm. Because now I have a greater awareness of my infinite being. I've also made a shift. I don't know. It, it's, it's been subtle. I don't think I've ever actually said it. But one of the shifts is recognizing my infinite being is me. It's the part of me that's not physical. Right. It's the part of me that's eternal. And I knew that before, like men, on my mental shelf, I knew the information, but now I'm coming into knowing that information. Mm. Not complete, but it's, it's so much more than it was. Because whenever I think in terms of like, well, remember I said the other day, one of, my, one of the things I encountered was thinking I needed God or somebody else to sanction. Get the permission, that yeah. That it was okay for me to break through the working class energy that I, I grew up in. Well, who is that sanctioning body? Uh, my infinite being, source energy. And then I realized that energy's me. Why wouldn't I sanction something I want? Of course I'd let myself have what I want. I'm my best cheerleader. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And so it's kind of like I see... Like, you know, um, do you remember Mary Tyler Moore show? She had a oh, yeah. giant M on yeah. her wall as a decorative object. Right. Well, I, about that same side, I, size, I see the word me in front of me. When I think about <laughs> my infinite being is me. And it's like, it's me. Of course I love me. Of course I want the best for me. Of course I want my highest and best good. 
Of course I want me to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my relationship with the broader perspective of me has developed in a way that I have so much more, um, not power. Um, I just align and connect with that part of me in a new way that feels very potent, very powerful, very real, no longer a golf ball sized little thing that's playing with me like a puppet. It's becoming more personal. That's the word I was going for. It's becoming my relationship with my, the broader self, my broader infinite intelligence, my source energy part of me that is not physical. I'm having a greater personal relationship. And those were the words that I used probably a month ago or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, it's like I want to have like a people relationship. Like right. you and I have a relationship. Keisha and I have a relationship. My sister and I have a relationship. And I want that kind of relationship. But I didn't know how you could do it with something that wasn't three-dimensional flesh and bone. But I'm starting to have that kind of relationship. You are. You're discovering so, it. All of these things I have been talking about are a part of the uncovering, the discovering, the the new belief, the new foundational structure for what I am uh, coming into. That's good. Now, we got about and one it, and a half minutes left. I want to I want to get one thing, and you're gonna have to answer it really tightly in one and a half minutes. But <laughs> okay, you've got that one phone call. You said uh, very clearly that it doesn't really matter what happens with that one. But what do you expect is going to happen, say, over the next month? What what what's your expectation? based on where you're at right now? I get the word full, that I will start to feel full, Hmm. that there will be so much coming toward me that it will fill up my calendar to the point of overflowing in a way that is fun and easy and pleasant for me. Well, I can't argue with that. That's good. Yeah. That's a great feeling, actually. It's like fulfillment and satisfaction is what it feels like is, is on its way. And that's what I was wanting with the fulfillment of Project X is to feel really satisfied from a professional perspective, a personal perspective, and a financial perspective. There it is, the big three right there. I think that's a, that's a good point to, to draw to a close. Before we do, a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. First of all, we haven't done this a lot, but I want to make another point to do it. Please subscribe and share if you haven't done that. Most of our listeners we know are subscribers. The way we know that is because the average listener, according to the statistics we have, listens to 45 episodes. So we know most of them are subscribed. But there are always new people coming through. And so we just want to take a moment and say, please subscribe. It really does pay off. You'll love the shows. If you're loving this one, if you've listened this far, we know you love it. So take the time to do it. You just go to the homepage at LOAToday.net. Um, you, all the instructions are right there. Just follow those instructions, and you'll be uh, good to go. And then when you're done with that, make sure you uh, share as well as subscribe because uh, one goes with the other, right? you got to let people know that you did it. And, Wendy, just in case one of those people who we're talking about who are potential customers are listening in, how do they reach you? WendyDillard.com. Yeah, it's just that simple. Wendy, been a pleasure. Let's do it again tomorrow. I'll be here. And I'll be here as well. We hope you join us as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now.